0: This is Building Resilience Podcast episode 121, the three stories you tell story follows state. Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast where you will learn all about building resilience in yourself and helping others build it too. Drawing from the principles of positive psychology, neuroscience and coaching, I will help you face all the challenges and adversities that life throws at you and help you do more than just survive. I will help you thrive. I am your host, Leah Davidson, and I am a Certified Life Coach and Speech-Language Pathologist. I will help you manage your mind, your emotions, deal with your stress and your overwhelm, and lead a more purposeful and joyful life. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Building Resilience Podcast. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to have you here. Just want to give a little reminder that if you are a coach or a helping professional, I am running an advanced training in nervous system resilience and it starts in May. It is my beta test group. I am excited to be offering it to you and there's information all about it in the show notes. If you want to learn how to start integrating the nervous system in your coaching work. And if you want to start learning how to use and befriend your own nervous system, this is the course for you. We are going to be talking all things nervous system. We're going to be talking about neuroplasticity. We're going to be talking about executive function skills. And we're going to be talking about professional resilience. How can you protect yourself from compassion fatigue, burnout, stress, all the things that we talk about here on the Building Resilience podcast, small group and we are going to get down and in the details and I would love to have you. So the link is in the show notes if you are a coach or a helping professional and interested in doing that. All right. Today we are going to be talking about stories and different kinds of stories. So a while back, I introduced you to a framework called the Window of Tolerance. It's a framework by Dr. Dan Siegel that I have found very helpful for myself personally, as well as for my clients. I refer to it as the zone of resilience. So that window of tolerance is the zone of resilience. And I talked a lot about it on episode 110 called The Zone of Resilience. And then back on episode 116, I also introduced you to a theory called the polyvagal theory, a theory developed by Stephen Porges. And it's a theory that helps us understand your nervous system. And we're going to talk a lot more about the nervous system today and how it integrates so beautifully with all the thought and mindset work that I've been talking about over you know, the past couple of years on this podcast. So if you have been listening for a long while, Then you will know that I am a very firm believer in thought work, in working on your mindset, in changing your thoughts to help serve you better, to get the results that you want. And I've introduced you to the self-coaching model that you may recall. I talk about how there are circumstances in our lives and those are the facts in our lives, the things that just are. They are objective, provable in a court of law. Everybody agrees. They're the things that have already happened. They're other people. They're the things other people say, and they are mostly out of our control. They are kind of like the stimulus in our lives. Now, the next piece I talk about is what we make these circumstances or these facts mean. So the story that we tell about them. So we have these facts, and which are the circumstances, and then we have thoughts about these circumstances. And our thoughts are the stories that we tell. And we can tell whatever story we want to tell. We get to decide. Stories are all optional. Well, kind of. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'll get to in a moment. The story that we tell is important because these thoughts and stories, as you know from the model, create our feelings, which in turn fuel our actions or inactions, which end up creating the results that we have in our life. So these stories, these thoughts are all cognitive. They are what we are thinking with our mind. Thoughts are kind of like the perceptions that happen internally. They're like the chatter that's running through our mind, often in a very unstructured way. But we can also make them a little bit more structured and more deliberate. Now, I often refer to thoughts as the language in our minds because they're merely, they're kind of like the sentences in our minds. So I refer to them as these are the cognitive stories that you tell. But I do want to back up and I want to share with you another kind of story that actually gets told first, before the cognitive story. And this comes back to the nervous system. Now, remember, we have talked before that the brain or the nervous system, and the nervous system is essentially the brain, the spinal cord, and a complex network of connections. It is the system that sends messages back and forth between the brain and the body. So the brain is constantly scanning for cues of safety and danger. It's like our own personal airport security. Everything gets scanned and it's pretty strict. There's not a lot of leeway. It's looking for cues, cues of safety or cues of danger. And there can only be those choices. Well, actually, it's kind of looking for safety, danger and really overwhelming danger. So there's three things that it's constantly scanning for. It is reading these cues. It's taking in all these cues. It's scanning on a subconscious level. It's searching, like what's happening around us in the environment? What are our senses taking in? It's looking at what's happening internally, like if our heart is pounding or if our breath is shallow, and then what's happening between us? So it's looking for facial expressions, tone of voice, posture. It's sensing this overall vibe. And Stephen Porges, who's the man behind the polyvagal theory, came up with this term called neuroception, where the brain is on a subconscious level scanning for safety and danger by picking up on cues happening inside us, outside us, and in between us. Now, if our nervous system feels safe, Then it goes on its merry way and enters into what I call the zone of resilience. It's that zone of connection. The polyvagal theory calls it the safe and social zone or the ventral vagal state. This is where we achieve homeostasis, stability, equilibrium. It's where we actually want to be living from and making our decisions from, where connections are made and we can access our creativity, our tolerance, our resilience, our communication, and our thinking skills. But if our nervous system senses danger, then it will feel like it needs to defend. So it goes into a state of protection. So we'll start to mobilize to protect. We'll get more energy. We'll get more activated. We're getting ready to respond. We enter into the sympathetic system or that hyper zone that we talked about in the previous episode. I refer to it as team hyper. And in team hyper, the response is fight or flight either you're going to flee to get away from the danger or you're going to fight to attack the danger. Now there's also a state of freeze, which is kind of like an activated state mixed in with one other option that our nervous system turns to when it feels threatened, which is shut down. So if our nervous system is so overwhelmed with the threat, or maybe it's tried to fight and flight and not got anywhere... Well, the nervous system knows that we need to conserve energy for survival, and it will then enter into another state of protection, a collapse state, a shutdown state. This is a state of immobilization, and this is what I refer to as team hypo. There's less energy. You're trying to conserve the energy. So if safe, cues of safety, and it's not just the absence of danger – But the brain is actually searching for cues of safety. So not just the absence of danger. It's going to go and connect in that zone of resilience, that zone of safety. If it senses danger, it's going to get mobilized, head into a zone of protection, fight, flight, or freeze. And if it gets completely overwhelmed, it's going to go into that protective immobilized state of collapse or shutdown. Now, in all these protective zones, you may want to note that the brain The thinking brain is not accessible. It's blocked. Hyper and hypo are zones of survival. So the goal is survival, not to reason or communicate with language or to think. So our CEO, who we really want driving our car for making longer term decisions, goal setting, growth, et cetera, is not in line with us when we are playing with team hyper or team hypo monkey is in charge because he thinks that your survival is at stake. And our CEO is only online when we are in our safety, our zone of resilience. Now, there's a couple other things to note that are crucial to understanding this point. Firstly, what state we go into, what state we're assigned, how we react is not a choice. This is not cognitive. The nervous system does not choose where to go. It's not a cognitive decision. It is biology. It is physiology. It is how we are wired. Safety, you go over here. Danger, you go over there, period. So there's no judgment. There's no shame. There's no blame. Nothing about how we react to things. It is our stress response taking over. It is our nervous system. Now, secondly, the cues for safety and danger are actually perceived cues of safety or danger, which means that we may actually be safe but for whatever reason, our nervous system is picking up cues of danger. Now it could be because of past experience that our nervous system perceives certain situations as dangerous when they're actually okay. So it's on a very subconscious level. Rationally, we may know that we're not in danger, but our nervous system feels differently and our body feels differently. Now, thirdly, each zone brings with it a certain physiology. Our breathing Our heart rate, our posture, even our thoughts and emotions and actions are flavored a certain way based on the physiology of that state. So that is why I say our thoughts are kind of optional because they are being tainted by the state we are in. And it is important to recognize that. Lastly, this is all completely normal. We need to have these different states. We will all go in and out of these states. A healthy nervous system is one that will respond appropriately according to what is going on and be able to be flexible and go in and out of states. The problem becomes when we get stuck in a certain protective state, which is what trauma is. This is problematic because not only is it not healthy for us to be stuck in one of these survival states all the time because it can really wreak havoc on our health, we are meant to be in and out of these states for short periods of time, but always to go back to safety. But when we're chronically in a state of dysregulation, either hyper or hypo, we actually also tend to misread cues. We may, in fact, interpret danger when there's actually safety because we're so tainted by the zone that we're in, by the zone that we're stuck in. So we can get our signals crossed. We can misread cues And this ties into my second point of if it's actually perceived threats, often it's not real threats that activate our nervous system. Now, if it is a real threat, then we want our nervous system to respond with the survival response. But if it's perceived, we don't want our nervous system to get stuck in a dysregulated state. All right, now I want to come back to thought work and the model. Before there is a cognitive story, the thoughts that you create, there is an autonomic story, a nervous system story. When you encounter circumstances, the first thing that actually happens is an autonomic response. Your nervous system reacts just like we just talked about. It gets assigned a specific state based on cues of safety or danger. And then it's from there, from this state that we're assigned biologically, where we start to create our stories and create our emotions. Now, Deb Dana, who's an amazing clinician specialized in polyvagal theory, she coined the term story follows state. And what that means is I will have very different stories to tell depending on what state I am in. Each state has different kinds of thoughts different kinds of feelings, different postures, different activities, facial expressions, energy levels. For example, if I'm in an activated sympathetic team hyperstate, then my thoughts, my feelings and actions will likely be ones that are more energized or more amped up or jacked up. Maybe there will be elements or nuances of danger even associated with this state. So there might be some anger or aggression or defensiveness or maybe overthinking or anxiety or worry. You can see there's energy that's going to be there. Now, if I am with team hypo, then my state will reflect being more slow, lethargic, maybe sad, hopeless, helpless, maybe even victim-like. And if I'm in a safe place, then communication can happen. Curiosity can happen. Creativity can happen. I can get to compassion. So the state we're in will strongly influence the kind of story we tell. So this is why I say your stories are optional, kind of, because the state you are in will kind of first dictate the flavor of your story. When I work with clients, they often want to share with me their whole story, all their thoughts, which I totally want to hear. But I usually say to them, before we get to your thoughts and your cognitive story, let's take a look at your nervous system story. Because guess what? your nervous system comes first. Remember, it is survival. And until your body and your nervous system is dealt with and acknowledged and befriended, your mind will not be open or not at its best for thought work. So many people will actually get stuck with thought work and think, well, thought work doesn't work for me. And it's not that it doesn't work. It's that it works when you're in a zone of safety. So really listen up. If you're someone who has been struggling with changing your thoughts or feeling like you keep getting stuck over and over and over with the same repeating thoughts, it could be that you're trying to change your thoughts, but not change your state first. So when my clients come to me, the first thing we talk about is where they are in their states. What happened and what state were they biologically assigned? And then... What does it look like for them to be in that state? What does it feel like in the body? What are the postures, the actions, the thoughts, the emotions? I call this figuring out your landscape so you know what you're dealing with. And this is really building your awareness. What is your autonomic story? And then we can see where the cognitive story comes from and if you want it to stay that way. So I want to now give you an example of what I mean by there are three stories that you can tell based on your nervous system. Now, this is a story that happened to me personally this past summer with one of my kids. We had a large extended family reunion planned with my mom's side of the family. It had been planned since pre-COVID, but obviously got canceled multiple times. So this past summer, it was finally arriving and it was going to be on a long weekend from a Friday night to a Monday morning. Three of my kids who were in town were going to be coming. So about two nights before we were supposed to leave, it was like around 10:45 at night, I was just chilling on the couch getting ready to go to bed. One of my boys came down and said to me, "Why do we even have to go to this family reunion anyway? I don't want to go. I don't know anybody. It's a long weekend. I want to hang out with my friends. I don't want to go." Well, I immediately felt my heart start to pump a little bit faster. I changed my posture, I sat right up. I was annoyed that he was bringing it up now. I was annoyed that he was bringing it up at all, and I could feel myself getting more and more annoyed and more and more agitated. However, I also knew that if I engaged with him in this hyper state I was entering, it could get pretty dramatic and pretty fiery pretty quickly. My thoughts were things like, are you kidding me? You've known about this for so long. How often do I ask you to do something? Can't you just suck it up and come with the family? Why do you have to make it such a big deal? So my thoughts were pretty agitated and fueled with frustration. And I knew I didn't want to respond from the state. If I did, it was very likely that he would match fire with fire. We'd get into a big fight and he would likely say he's not going to come at all for the weekend. I quickly considered another alternative, which I could easily reach. And that would be from team hypo. Now from this team, my thoughts would be more like, I'm so tired of always fighting these things with these young adults and teens. I wish that they wanted to spend time with us. I don't know where I went wrong raising them. So many other kids seem perfectly happy to spend time with their family. So you can see that the flavor of this story would be more of a poor me, I'm a victim. And I knew that taking that approach would probably lead me to try to guilt him into coming. Now, because I've been doing this work for myself for a while, I was able to recognize that neither team hyper or team hypo was going to serve me. I was definitely able to recognize that my body was going first into this hyper state And I needed to do something to get back control of my physiology. So I took some cleansing breaths. I softened my gaze. I relaxed my shoulders. And I softened my tone. I was able to move myself into that safe state, that zone of resilience. From there, I was much more ready to engage in a creative and productive conversation. Because the whole goal of this family reunion was connection. I wanted him to come and spend time with us, but I was willing to see it was not an exciting weekend for him. I was able to say, listen, I get that you don't want to come this weekend and it makes total sense. Obviously, spending time with your friends would be more fun, but this is really important to me and it's important to our family, but maybe we can find a compromise. We then talked about options of him coming up on the Saturday morning rather than the Friday night, or leaving earlier on the Sunday instead of the Monday morning, so he could at least have one night with his friends. We were able to talk calmly, and both of us went to bed without any drama. In the end, he ended up coming for the entire reunion, but I also would have been okay had he chosen to do one of our compromises. The point is, we were able to have more productive conversation from this place of safety and connection. So I want you to see in this example, there are three stories you can have. Well, really a minimum of three stories, but three flavors of stories, hyper, hypo, and safe. And this is true for every situation. We can always tell a minimum of three stories. This can be a very helpful exercise for you to do in any given situation. Try to recreate what the three main stories could be. Now, it's good to do this because it shows you how your physiological state is a driving factor in your story. You can start creating for yourself these three stories in each state. What is the setup? What would your thoughts be? What language would you use? What posture would you take? What tone of voice? What would your facial expression be? What emotions would you have? What actions would you take? So you can see how it's different depending on your physiology. Or you can start by looking at what your thoughts are, what your body feels like what your heart rate feels like, what your breath feels like. And you can take a guess as to what state you're actually in because your thoughts can also change your physiology. By determining what state you're in, it helps you understand that underneath all your thoughts and stories is a certain physiology. Now, like I've shared with you on this podcast before, you can change your story. You can change your thoughts. But if you take care of your physiology, if you figure out your state first, then decide, is this the best state for you to be in? And then if necessary, change your state first. It will be much easier to change your thoughts. If you take care of your physiology, your psychology will follow. Story follows state. And I want to offer to you, if you adjust your state If you change your breathing pattern, if you relax your body, if you shift your body or your posture, this will have such a great influence on your story. That is what I did in my example. I wasn't trying to control my thoughts at first. I was trying to manage my physiology, first to notice what was happening, and then to get myself in a state where I could be more connected, reasonable, and creative. Amy Cuddy has a great TED Talk all about this. She did studies where she looked at whether the nonverbals in our lives change how we think and feel about ourselves, and there is evidence that they do. Now, she gives the example that we smile when we feel happy, but also when we're forced to smile by holding a pen in our teeth, it also makes us feel happy. So it goes both ways. We can change how we think and feel by playing with our non and physiology. She also found that when it comes to power, it also goes both ways. So when you feel powerful, you're more likely to do certain things. But it's also possible that when you pretend to be powerful, you are more likely to actually feel powerful. She wanted to further study this whole mind-body connection. And what she did is an experiment where they brought people into a lab and had people take on for two minutes either a high power pose or a low power pose. And one of the ones they did has been dubbed the Wonder Woman pose. What they found is after two minutes of different poses, there are actual hormonal changes, physiological changes that configure your brain to basically be either assertive, confident and comfortable or really stress reactive and feeling sort of shut down. So it seems that our nonverbals, this change in posture does govern how we think about ourselves. And in other studies, it shows it does influence how others think about you too. Now, incidentally, this whole power pose study was used also on Grey's Anatomy. You can go on YouTube and you can search for Amelia and the power pose. She does it throughout the series prior to important surgeries because the change of posture can change her thoughts and her confidence and then her performance. So our physiology and our psychology and our outcomes are all linked together. So yes, the body impacts your mind. Story follows state. And of course, your mind impacts your body. Your story does also impact your state. What you tell yourself also impacts your physiology. It goes both ways. They influence each other. All right, just to recap, your brain is scanning. Your nervous system is picking up on cues of safety or danger. A state is biologically assigned. And then the story that you tell is heavily influenced by what state you are in. Now, the best part, you can shift your story. You can make it easier to have a different story, a different story that can serve you differently. So I can hear you asking, all right, Leah, I want to change my story, but how? Well, if you haven't figured it out yet, you can start by changing your physiology Remember, the best place where we want to be telling stories, for the most part, if our survival is truly not threatened, is from the safe state, the zone of connection, the zone of resilience. So that means you want to try to get yourself to safety. How do you get yourself to safety? Well, if safety is your destination, depends on where you're coming from, right? When you enter the destination into a GPS, it's always going to ask you, Where are you starting? So this is why it's so important for you to start getting intimately familiar with your body, your nervous system. Get familiar with how you respond and what your landscape looks like in each area. And this is something that I do with my clients. What does your landscape look like when you're in Team Hyper and in Team Hypo compared to that safety zone? That's the first place you're going to start. Get familiar with your landscape especially what your zone of safety is like. You want to know where you want to go. Now, once you know where you're starting from, then you can do something to shift into a different state. Now, let me give you a few things to start with that are sort of very general. Obviously, it's a bit different for everybody because everybody has a unique nervous system. What I'm sharing with you may not actually work for you because you have a different nervous system than I do. That's why it's so important that you personally do your own work to understand your own nervous system and how it works. But there are some generalities that you can start from. Now, if you realize you are in team hyper, you are activated. There's a nuance of danger, fight or flight energy. You are going to want to either use up that energy or soften and relax. So you can start with things like breathing. Breathing is always a great place to start. Your breath is the one thing that is taken care of automatically, but it is also something that you can bring into conscious control. So if you're on Team Hyper, then you'll want to focus more on noticing your breath and prolonging your exhalation. Your exhalation is where you move into your parasympathetic system, the safe state, a more anchored, calm place. So you can be doing breathing techniques like the 478 or even just box breathing like the 4x4. The point is in this state, you want to focus on exhalation. I actually have an upcoming episode all about breathing and different examples and different exercises you can do. So stay tuned for that. Now, another thing that can help you when you're on Team Hyper, Team Hyper has a lot of energy to use. So use it. You may find that this is where movement is very helpful. It can be any kind of movement from walking to running to dancing to shaking. You're trying to down-regulate. You're trying to get rid of some of that excess energy. Now, after moving and breathing, you may still notice you have a lot of tension. So soften things up. Let loose. Relax your muscles. Now, if you're on Team Hypo, you might want to do the opposite. You may be feeling really stuck. Slow, low, exhausted. You may need to energize. But if you're in this state, you're likely going to want to move very slowly. Moving too fast can put you right back into shutdown mode. So just try even at the beginning, just notice your breath. Focus on your breath. You may want to try more activated breathing, like something like a breath of fire, breathing in and out of your nose quickly. Inhalation gets you into that sympathetic activated energy. And to get to safety from shutdown, it actually requires energy. So you're going to need to get some movement in there, but this can be a very slow movement, nothing too drastic. Even starting by imagining movement can be helpful. Now, sometimes people will need a little bit more, maybe rubbing their arms, tapping their arms, using some pressure, pushing a nice buildup of energy. You are trying to get to a more balanced place. This is the place where you can access curiosity, communication, thinking, reasoning, creativity, and eventually compassion. This is where you want to start telling your stories from. I hope that this episode makes sense. You want to look at cognitive stories you're telling and see what state you're telling them from. Then you can decide if that is the state you will want to be telling the stories from. If not, then you want to do some things to move your physiology to the state that you want. And then you have easier access to the stories you want to tell. That's how it all fits together. The work is so powerful, but it is most powerful when we're coming at it from a safe, secure zone of resilience state. Because that's where we have access to our higher cognitive skills, our language skills, our creativity. Creating a story from a state of safety will be a story more about connection, and it will be much longer lasting. If you need help in any of this, this is exactly what we do in coaching. So feel free to reach out. And I'll ask you, if you think anyone could benefit from this episode, then please pass it along. Thanks and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Building Resilience Podcast. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about managing stress, building resilience, and leading a more purposeful life, then make sure we're connected on Instagram and Facebook at Leah Davidson Life Coaching. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter at www.leahdavidsonlifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter. Looking forward to connecting.